You know this. There's, there's one one name in in here that I uh, may be placed wrong. Ed Haley. Now was he the one that built the Fort Harrison Hotel? Yes. Okay, and he was he was the one that brought in the booze from Cuba and so forth during the well, dry, have, anyway. dry spell. <laughs> yeah. Few, few landings down here at the dock, weren't there? <laughs> yeah. Well, they would they would come in and uh, uh, Miss. Uh, Margaret uh, Newman, whose father was the surveyor for plant, yeah. and came in, and they said that uh, he had st uh, run his uh, train uh, or the railroad down, and when he brought it down here, people knew that he was coming, and they bought up the lands and the land speculators, and, and made it uh, uh, real expensive. It cost him, so he said he was going to eliminate Clearwater, and. Uh, he had the map maker, uh, Newman, uh, to make up, make up the maps that went in the, uh, the history book at the time, and Clearwater was not on the map. On the so just just the, just the one picture that he had. That's why Morton Plant Hospital is where it is, too, isn't it? Yeah. Because that was part of Plant's property, I understand. Yeah. Anyway. Hey, Delmar, we're, um, we can talk about anything we want to talk to today, as long as, long as you want to. Mm -hmm. I would like to start with San Key. Um, I'm on. Okay, I'm with on. Uh, I would like to go all the way back to. It sounds like you knew his sons better than you knew him. Well, but whatever you know about him buying land. I was initially. five years five years old when he died. Dan Dan Tyler. Dan Senior. Yeah, Dan. 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 Yeah. Dan, well, Dan Anderson Senior. Yes. Well, he was. Uh, he, he didn't have a, a, a junior, but right. he was uh, Bert and Albert. And then the daughter was uh, May, and Lydia, and Catherine. Th those were his children. Now uh, Albert went. Uh, he was the uh, captain of the Bellevue fleet during the winter time during the season. And now, what year are we talking about? Nineteen nineteen now. I would. Uh, or no. I think it was no. It was later than that, I believe. Now when I. I Came back. Of course, I was born in 1924. So Dan must have died in. Uh, Dan, Dan died in 1929. He was he was born in 1875, and he died while he was on a hunt up in Dixie County, and uh, in a deer stand. When they called the dogs in or the dogs run, and they were calling all of the places in their stands. He didn't show up, and they went and found that he had had a heart attack while he was out on the on the deer stand there. Now, Bert was uh, he, he stayed fishing all the time, and uh, when he they sold the land, and he he had had a little heart attack, so he made a, a or had Clarky Mills uh, make him a just a boat where he could. Uh, bait fish, and uh, he would go down, instead of the 3 o'clock in the morning putting the net on the boat, he would go down with a big dip net and catch sardines, and if he could find someone to go with him, he would go out and hook and line fish, and I went with him on several occasions, it was back after I was practicing dentistry, and uh, he would, of course, be out, he'd say, well, they'll, they should be coming down about here, the trout should be in a feeding mood at this point. And sure enough, it, it lived over there for so long, and uh, we'd go out and be pulling trout in. Well, then other boats would 
come, he'd say, well, now put the end of your pole in the, in the water. Says if they see you catching fish, we're going to have a bucket right around us on the thing. So we'd sit out there and pull them in. And he would catch just enough to go in and he'd usually fillet them and, and give them to the neighbors. But he would be pulling in trout and I'd be pulling grunts and snake fish and all that kind of stuff. But then he was telling me, he said, now, he got called on the same thing. He said a man uh, came and wanted him to go fishing with him. And uh, I think a fellow Austin, Austin was one of the uh, fishers. And uh, he said that um, he told him, he said, uh, he went with him the one time and he did the same thing to him that, that Bert did to me. And the guy came around and wanted him to go fishing again. And he said, hell, why should I go fishing with you? He says, you catch fish where there's not any fish. He says, go out to my backyard and see if you can catch something. <laughs> he wasn't going to get insulted anymore on that. What did you say the other three girls were named? The what? The daughters? The daughters, May and Lydia and Catherine. Now, May, let's go through that then. May married the uh, uh, Jim Lanier, who uh, was the uh, real estate purchaser for Ed Haley, and uh, he was uh, then. Uh, we would have picnics over while, as long as it, it, uh, they had not repealed the drinking, we'd have uh, picnics on the island. And uh, everybody bringing their boats in and taking the loads of us, a big family deal. And uh, Jim would have, uh, as this was really during the hard depression, Jim would have uh, may make him several little treasure sacks, and he'd put 15 or 20 silver uh, bucks in each one, and uh, the then hide it, and we'd have a, a treasure hunt in the afternoon with the kids. But the uh, the price at that time, uh, labor people were getting a dollar a day. So when we'd start out hunting, hunting the treasure, our mothers would uh, encourage us, and they'd go beyond encouragement every now and then. It'd be threats <laughs> to find one of those treasure bags. But uh, we had, uh, I think, in the... Uh, Winter time, and we wouldn't go over there. A lot of family always got together at uh, at our house, uh, and they'd have a big breakfast and, and food there. And all the the uncles would come in, and uh, they'd start telling their stories and laughing. And I think that that set the uh, standard of the way our family lived with these uncles. Where was the house you're talking about? Where they? I, we were out on Tuscaloosa at that time, oh. <clears throat> and uh, well, that was uh, while they were uh, supposedly living on the on the island. Uh, Dan built a big two-story house right uh, across, uh, north of the cemetery over there, and uh, we were down on the next block. But as a, that's where I knew him as a as a young kid. Now he's buried right across from where he lived at that time. As far as the earliest structure on Dan's Island, uh, what would that, what he, year he, and what he, would that be? Year, well he... Turn uh, of the century? Or? Uh, yes, yes, he was, uh, <clears throat> that was... Uh, he would have been 25 at 
Uh-huh. Yeah, it was around 1900. He was working on a, a boat that traveled between Southport, up on the, uh, I don't know what it is named now, and Key West. And uh, he was working there, and they pulled into, at that time called uh, Clearwater Harbor. I think it was Clearwater Harbor that late. And while he was there, he found out that he could homestead and set that procedure going. And uh, then he built a shack right out on the point. Well, it was a, a good place where they could live. But uh, I think Mr. Davis I was talking about, he was seeing May pull a boat across the bay to, to Turner Street Dock to go to Southward School for her education. And uh, Reed, she had pulled it if they at sunup, they wanted to. Uh, at sunup, they wanted to be on a boat, have it uh, uh, the netting there, and the fish would come around the point, and you could see them in the, the sun sunlight. Now I said I fished a good number of years. I'd be come out of college, and if I had six days off or something, uh, they'd always save a, a crew point for me. And if we strike a couple of times, or maybe strike once, I make more money off of that than uh, over the one one strike than I could work in a month down here. But we go into this on the, um, proper this shack that he built. Was it on the bay side? No, it was. Uh, uh, no, it was right right along the channel. It was as the point comes down, and it was uh, halfway between that. Uh, I would say it was a point then. But at, at, uh, at the north end point where today we have a bridge. Uh, no, south end. Dan's Island is south end. Was, well, it was a, it was the north end, the north end of, of uh, San Key. Oh, oh, you're right. And it, probably the property faced the bay. Is it? It uh, it, it, it faced the channel. Right. So it's kind of where today we have a Clearwater yep. uh, sailing yeah. center, mm -hmm. where they had area, uh, Marriott Hotel on. Uh, I guess yes, I think so, but. Uh, he had um, built uh, just a place that had, uh, and he'd have to haul his fresh water in and so forth. And uh, where would he get the water from? I know there was a spring on Indian Rocks Beach. There was a spring. Actually, there was a spring too, right down here at the, at the foot of uh, Jefferson Street, out right. in the right out in the. In the water. But wherever he got the water, they'd haul the fresh water in and had the tanks up over the over the place. But at that time, they said before the hurricanes hit, that it was little pass, and you could throw a rock between Clearwater Beach, Sand Key, and Clearwater Beach, yeah. right. and uh, they would catch these large things of, of the fish. But uh, both uh, Albert went back to work as a, as a fisherman. Then after he had given up his other jobs, that he I think it's for the independence. But, Who was, uh, uh, excuse me, yeah. older between the two, Bert and Albert? Uh, I'm, I, that was one thing I'm just not really sure. Okay. Were Bert and Albert two separate people or one? <coughs> no, they, they were two separate people. Two separate people. <laughs> Bert, <laughs> Bert was as, as gentle and easygoing as you could be, and, and uh, Albert was fired up about as much as he could be. So he, was, uh, <laughs> he, he had a, a real hot temper. <laughs> Well, they, the building, the, the residence they had, the place to live on the 
on the tip of Sam Key facing the channel there. Was it no. substantial or was yeah. it kind of like some of the early ones? Well, it was, it was early, but it was the, the ins, inside of that, I guess, is where they had the uh, net rack and a net storage area. And uh, I, I fished many times over there with, uh, as I said, coming back from, I paid a lot of my college tuition with that. So there. But uh, they would come by and pick me up at 3 o'clock in the morning, and we'd go down, and you had a, a skiff with a motor on it at Harbrook's dock, and their uh, launch was out uh, on a buoy, maybe 50 yards out. And uh, we would come and get in the boat and go down there at uh, not, not long after 3 o'clock in the morning. But we wanted to be over there. There was nets pulled off of this big rack and on the boat and sitting there ready at sunup. So yeah. that, that was what you, what you did. Mm -hmm. And most of the time the fish would come around the point and we'd go in and, and uh, you'd head them off from there and circle. I or whoever happened to be the anchor person jump in and anchor it to that end of the net and they'd string it out around the fish. Sometimes those uh, schools were big enough that by the time you get a hundred yards of net around them, they were jumping the full place around. I think I was only on one, one of those, but uh, usually you catch about uh, 1,800 pounds or something like that on a strike mullet. Tell them what you found out you were anchoring down one side of the same net what you were uh, stepping on. Oh yeah, well the one, uh, during during World War II you had, uh, uh, they used that as a bombing practice area until they got permission and they'd drop in these uh, light charge bombs uh, in, in the bay and uh, we got out and of course I came in later and uh, I'd jump over with the, well the net would get tangled and I'd have to dive down and untangle it. Mm -hmm. And then uh, not not a uh, few years after that, they, they came over from um, uh, MacDill and uh, dug all of those things out and exploded them. A lot of them still <laughs> alive and I'd been untangled. But uh, just, and uh, during that time too, now my mother was the executive housekeeper for the Fort Harrison. So when I would come in from from college, they always had a room for me. But which they didn't, they put me up in a right up in upstairs with the glass on both sides, and the uh, the fake dog fights and so forth. The planes coming through and and uh, and the strafe strafe bombing. And late at night, they would send fifteen or twenty bombers out to practice bombing, bombing about a, uh, fifty miles offshore or something. So you'd lie in bed and see those straight. I, I could watch. I could watch them. Watch them over <laughs> the top of the Fort Harrison. Yep. <laughs> Twelve right stories up, up. Right up where it was the the ballroom up there, right. and this was I was up on a stage. Uh, they put a bed and dresser and all up there. Wow. I think two or three times on that. Most of the time they had a, had an open room. Wow, that's cool. But to sit there and watch those. Go well, back to the nets and all. You talk about the oh, yeah. racks and all for the nets. <clears throat> yeah. Now they, what were the nets made of? They, they weren't made of monofilament nylon. Well, no, but they, they were, uh, it was a cord thing, I'm not sure. So that's why they and, had to dry them? Yeah, they dried every, every day, whether you, you went over, you loaded your net. Even if you didn't make a strike that day, you came back and you unloaded the net and put it. But it was just a big dryer, and uh, 
parallel racks that would drape yep. it over. Uh, racks, and this, you, you, you turn this for the scene. Oh, okay. Now on, uh, on gill nets, they had two parallel racks, and you just slid it up there because it was I short. See. But you'd be over and unwinding that net and loading it on the boat. And when they, when they got it, the, these boats were pretty fast. They had the big Chrysler engines in them. And uh, they'd go around, just circle the school of fish and go to the other end. And usually the captain, whoever was Albert or Bert, would go out in the middle and trying to keep the net untangled. Sometimes they'll almost knock him down, and sometimes they'd be jumping over and it'd be porpoises out there catching some of them too. So. But uh, we did that and of, uh, a good many trips on uh, down. He caught them out there in that boat. He pulled them all in the boat, or did he push them up on shore? Well, there was two ways. If you had a small one, you could put them in the space in the boat. It was a pretty, pretty long boat. And uh, with the big ones, the way they would they'd pull it up on shore and they'd take, take them out and uh, it, it tubs and so forth. But uh, a big school, you circled them. And uh, everybody went ashore, and then you took and threw the lead, lead line over the cork line and made a tube. Mm -hmm. And uh, you tied that, tied each end of it to the boat or to whether you had a, just a big pocket. And they would send and get uh, 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 pull boats and skiffs and fill the skiffs and fill the, the, time, the times that I, a couple of times when I was there, it filled the boat and filled a couple of the skiffs and uh, bring them into the dock, and it always seemed some way that I didn't, I don't think they had a radio or anything, but some way there would always be uh, two or three trucks down there from Tampa Fish Market that, that would buy most, load of, them out? buy most of them. Where, where did they take them? Take them to Tampa. No, what, what, on the shoreline. Uh, oh, fish market. Uh, Harbrook Stock, usually. Okay. So the they trucks had, would pull right up to Harbrook Stock, right yep. in the residential? You know, they had those low... That's the reason Judd moved from the house he built there out to someplace else. They used to make a lot of noise. So some of those millionaires most, didn't like this most of the fish time. hauling in there. Mm -hmm. Most of the time. It had, had a pretty good channel in there around, around Harbrook Stock. I don't think they had it uh, that good at Turner, Turner Street. Did they bring any up to the old Seminole docks in that area? I, I, well, possibly. Yeah. Not, not any that I was on there. Yeah. And... Uh, they would un unload them out of those from these spots. Most but, direct routes, just right across. Right. What time of year was peak mullet season? Same as uh, now, late November? Uh, well, it's a year round at that time. Year round, okay. Now, the, the one thing they had, uh, Bert always said that if, um, when, when the state decided that they wanted to eliminate this net, net fishing because it was going to de deplete the mullet, and uh, Bert says, well, the, the Mullet come down the coast and they go in to feed there, and uh, they're just a little crustaceans along the bottoms. What mullet uh, survived on, and he says if uh, you let them go in there for two or three years, they're going to deplete that much, and you're not going to have any mullet in in this area. And uh, that seemed to be the way it did. They cut out the net fishing, and, and that was the. You very seldom ever see a big school of mullet anymore. I, I never have. I'm not on the water very much, but we used to sit up at Carlowell in the late afternoon. Oh, uh, yeah, the whole thing filled. They just come come through, and uh, they're actually coming back a little bit now. A little bit. Well, I've been seeing them a lot in the last year. Mm -hmm. Different what, places what like yesterday. Going for the gold, where they get the uh, 
mullet row. Yeah. In the, in the winter time. The red mullet, the red row. Do that. Yeah, that was, uh, of course, uh, if you could get many of those, they'd ship them to Japan. Because they really, that was a real delicacy, and uh, the Japanese really get it. But they, they were very good. We'd have them for breakfast. And, and of course, the white row was. Uh, Who was Dan uh, Anderson married to? Do you know his wife? Yeah, she was my father's uh, uh, older sister, which would be. Annabelle Harris. She was two years older than him, I think. I was looking him up. We just father's sister. Yeah. Is the home on Tuscaloosa? Is that still standing? Yes. Tuscaloosa and Prospect. Is that over by the cemetery? It's mm -hmm. yeah. on the north edge of the cemetery. So we had there. moved up. Uh, I think. We had moved up to on Grand Central, the next place. So he moved off the island, and at that time moved to the house. Yeah, Dan. Dan. Yeah, after after he had served the period of time to uh, affect the homestead, mm -hmm. that uh, they they moved to the two what story. What does that mean? He homesteaded. Uh, two story. Doesn't mean what it means today, does it? There's various ways you can do it. But one is you had to live on and improve the property a certain amount for a yeah. certain time and then you got title to it or you paid a very yeah. small price for it. Okay. There it are other things you could outright buy it. So it depends upon the version. I mean, I know about the Armed Occupation Act, yeah. but that yeah. was like 19, 1840. Well, a lot of these things still went up to 1900 around. You could you still can, get free land if you agreed to live on it. Well, well you're saying free or reduced price. Reduced There's price. a government site that lists all the people that did this. Uh -huh. and so, yeah, he was, uh, I think he had uh, lived there for seven, the seven years, I think it was yeah. at that time, sometime maybe three different years. Different versions had different yeah. times, and you could speed it up by paying a higher price. There were various things to it. But uh, I think he had part of the family, some of them living over there on that jacket. One of the hurricanes took that, but they, he had uh, said when we were going, they still had a big net barn. So and that was purpose. the inside. At, uh, primary purpose, of course, was functional to taking fish off the island, but yeah. at the same time, he did it to meet the requirements of obtaining the government. Yeah, you had no, had no road. If you caught them out there, you, uh, mm -hmm. you hauled them in because there was right. no... Uh, later, there was a... You had to take them all the way to Indian Rocks across the old bridge. Yeah, Fifth, and at that time, there was no, no way to do it. You had to carry it up by boat if you uh -huh. did it. The Bellevue... Now you said one of the hurricanes... The Bellevue house. cut. That would, the hurricane would probably be 1921, right? Well, it was, that was a big one 21, 25, about three foot. Uh, what kind of foliage was on uh, Dan's Island back then before the hurricane? Were they what? the pines or were they? Uh, pines. There were there were pines on some high ground and a lot of palms. A lot of palms. And uh, there was one, uh, oh, what would you call it, the uh, mole about halfway down there, out on the sandy beach, there was a... a the roots and all of mangroves. this stuff. One, mangroves. Uh, not not mangroves on the thing at the time. The palms that grow in clusters. They call it. The palms that grow in the sun. They got the kind palmetto. of like that. He hmm? said palmetto was that over there too. The, the little low palmetto. Well, probably, probably some palmetto. 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 I don't I don't remember and that the growing wood, up. They call them different things, mm -hmm. right? No hardwood hammocks, like no oak hammocks. No, none of that. Yeah. But we had, uh, as I said, they would have the summer picnics that we would have over there was a whole family get together was good and we used to laugh at the thing with uh, two of the uncles 
laugh at anything either, to tell a joke. <laughs> they, they would come in our house over, so we as, as little kids go in and, and listen to them. And uh, a couple of them always have a big white handkerchief to wipe their eyes as they laughed. <laughs> Some of the happenings that they had done as kids, like, such as uh, they'd steal a watermelon from somebody and the man catch it come across the patch and to uh, uh, to hide the steel, so they start a, a, a dance to cover up the seeds. <laughs> Be out there dancing, so he he would know that they had had eaten his watermelon, but, and, and that that would take her to, to die laughing or something like that. Or the or the thing when the first movies came to their hometown, and they came in a tent, and there was a big overlap around. Uh, that they went through to keep the darkness. And uh, said they would bring the movies in and just have a rainstorm on the movie as it ended. And all the, they would sit out and watch and all the people come out with their coats up like this and come out in the sunlight, <laughs> be embarrassed and stand around in shape. Such stories as that as they just said, that was funny to them. And, uh, was any of the brothers a, ca a captain on the, uh, the old boat that went for the... Hotel Bellevue, out to the um, take the I guess at the Bellevue out to yeah the they would travel now of course Albert was uh, of the whole crew I don't know if he he, he did it sometime but there was uh, one Jim Lanier one of the uh, uh, daughters husband had uh, worked as a captain before even the uh, bridge up at uh, oh, Seminole Seminole, Seminole. Yeah, that um, he had worked, and a woman had a big boat that she was living on, and she decided to get rid of it, and he made an offer, to, and she took it. And he used that, now he called to Tate's Island, which was Clearwater Beach, I think. That, and he hauled the people over there, and at that time, was when my parents moved down, there was just one Palmetto shack over there where, with uh, toilets. And, uh, You're talking about Tate's Island, or...? That was Clearwater Beach. It was called Tate's right. Island, yeah. But he hauled from the from the Seminole Dock area. Uh, he carried it back and forth, and then I think he moved up closer to the causeway a little later with that boat that he had. But so I understood the uh, boat that ran back and forth to the Bellevue Biltmore only operated on weekends. I'm not sure about that. It just wasn't enough might, desire. Might have been. And it, Did you ever see the cabanas that were Yes, we, there? a time or two we had the... Um, of course, with uh, Albert in control of that in the summertime, we met over at the cabana rather than down on the point. What did that look like? Uh, I know the one thing, they had a lot of Japanese uh, uh, lanterns. Really? Those paper lanterns that they had. Just It was just a, kind of the restrooms and all, and a change in place and little open spaces. Was there any building there at all? Yes, it was a, it was a building and they had the, as I said, the hanging all around it with the, some celebration type things with the Japanese lantern. Where was that located? Directly. Directly across. It from the Bellevue Biltmore and the boat was called the Cola. It was an old. I, I wasn't sure on that. And they took guests over yeah. on a daily basis to the uh, Cabana Club, Cola? Yeah. Cabana Club. See, like Coca-Cola. Uh -huh. And uh, they, they had good food over there eventually. Mm -hmm. 
Wasn't it shaped like a boat, the cabana? I'm not, I'm not, I, I remember going over the two or three times and I, my memory just comes back that I, I saw a lot of these Japanese uh, lanterns and uh, just the thing where they would celebrate and put a seal them up most of the time in the uh, uh, summertime. The cabana club was not where we have a cabana club today. Mm -hmm. Yes, it was. Oh. Well, I had somebody drive me up the beach and said that it was right here, which is pretty close to where Dan's Island condo was built. Okay, if you look at the, the inlet of the, the boat used to come in to where there's the city marina for Bellar Beach, and I had a lady drive me up and said, I said, where was this cabana club? And she says, right here. And I said, but the cabana club restaurant is up the street another 200 yards. Well, this, this was a lot earlier than I think than that that they had. Well, it's the same property. That's why it was uh -huh. ended up called the Cabana Club. Gigantic beach, okay. Yeah, it was a Cabana Cup, and it was just a little bit north of that where Dan's uh, island started, or Dan's hill, land started from that here on over. They call it Cabana Cut? Cabana Cut, yes. I uh know -huh. uh, not the Cabana Cut, the Bellevue Cut. Okay. Which was a, an inlet. Mm-hmm. That was what they call it in those days. I don't know. Did they ever call it Dan's Point, or it was mostly not Dan's that, Island? Not that I, not that I yeah. know of. I, I knew it was a peninsula or something. Yeah. But the interesting thing, if you look at some really, really old maps in the 1840s and 50s, mm -hmm. you'll see it labeled Sand Key. Yeah. Really? It was Still, it's labeled Sand Key. But like a lot of cases, when someone would come in and be the prominent person of the area, the name would acquire. The same with Tate's Island. There were yeah. people there before Tate, and... So on it was Dan Lanier, and uh, Lydia married Frank. Was it Jan Dan or Jim Lanier? Jim Lanier. Jim, okay. Jim I bought him too. But, uh, uh, well, I know that, that uh, Lydia married uh, Frank Anderson, who was the sheriff of uh, Dixie County. They lived in Cross City. And uh, then Catherine had married, uh, oh, out west of Tallahassee, a uh, uh, web. And uh, they worked for, and I think later had a horticultural thing. But uh, I know it's, uh, my mother was a, a housekeeper at times after I was in dentistry at, uh, down at the Serena Hotel in St. Pete. And going down there, that uh, it, one of the of, uh, Catherine's daughters was working as a secretary there and they would send flat boxes and crates of just camellia and gardenia blossoms of all colors and all everything and uh, arrived by bus and just put them around where the employees were and it was a beautiful thing that they and we went up I think we went by to visit Catherine a time or two and uh, when we were going up to my grandparents and they had the three big arch type greenhouses or not the greenhouses but where they worked and they grew the this just the acres. West of Tallahassee. West of Tallahassee. Uh -huh. this Did you ever, um, I understand there was uh, over the years Okay. Indian Rocks was naturally a two-lane road. Part of it was paved. Uh, I'm not talking about Indian Rocks. I'm talking about Gulf Boulevard today that runs through Indian Rocks. I talk, I live in Indian Rocks. I've talked to a lot of people that describe how that was. And eventually the road became shell or rock. And 
<clears throat> at the north end of Indian Rocks, there were pillars and a chain link fence that said you can't go beyond here. And of course, for a while, they did bombing there and things like that. And the people, you know, used to jump over the fence or figure out a way to go through there. And a dirt road continued all the way up, and I'm not sure when it was declared Bel Air, but it became a dirt road leading into Sand Key. So all the kids used to go up there and play. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes they'd be playing while the bombing's going on, and some yeah. sergeant would come over. One guy told me a story where they picked him up and hustled him into a, a bunker, and sure enough, the planes came over. I understood that the bombs they were dropping on land didn't explode. They were filled with uh, flour or something, so when they hit, you could see where they hit. They weren't dropping live shells on Bel Air. They might have been doing it out at sea. But uh, there's a lot of shells to be found, of course, the stories about people finding them while they're digging and all. They have but, uh, found some lives. Shells. A lot of stuff they, they were, have been they, found They were light, light explosives in them, but uh, okay. the ones that I was untangling those nets on after I found out. That they're, they're Did you ever travel to Sand Key by road like that? Did you ever go down to the Indian Rocks Old Bridge and <clears throat> travel up? Uh, well, many times, of course, after it's been rebuilt, but not at, not uh, not the, uh, with uh, when no. they were owning when who owned anything over there. They owned it. You never traveled up there when it was uh, nothing. Uh -uh. Um, the, uh, and the Bel Air Bridge. Before they built the, the bridge. Bel Air Bridge didn't get built until 1950. Yeah. And, uh, I can remember as a kid standing at the, the old wooden gates of Sand Key looking northward, and there was just a, a dirt road that trickled into a forest of uh, longleaf pines. And you'd see this. Club and that was well, you know, the fence that Ed Wright put up, because after he started buying land, he started he closed it off. Well, they had folks and stuff like that. Most of both of the Anderson sons had are had died, I think, when, or they they had gotten rid of the land. They had had heart attacks, so they uh, that's when they sold it. They sold it to Ed Wright on that. But uh, one of the things too, when they first homesteaded and put the uh, put the little house over there that brought two big German shepherds. One of them was hit by a rattlesnake and they couldn't save. The other one, I think, they cut on his leg. He was by a rattlesnake. But he went up uh, in the north end and got collected enough to get a good, pretty good-sized herd of wild hogs. And uh, Who was this? Uh, Dan. Dan Anderson. Dan got hogs. And he brought the... Uh, brought the hogs down, and I had people talking about it that had, had remembered over there, and it said those hogs were uh, cleared on the beach, and they would kill rattlesnakes. And